Dotnet Rocks episode 675 with guest Ingo Rammer. Recorded live Thursday, June 9th, 2011. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl and Richard, and we're on the floor at NDC, the Norwegian Developers Conference, with Ingo Rammer. Hey, Ingo. Hey, Carl. Hi, Richard. How are you, my friend? Oh, great. Absolutely. How about you? Great. You just came out of a session, too. So you got, you got that little humming kind of, I just got off stage look to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I enjoyed the session. I think most people in the audience enjoyed the session. It was fantastic. Uh, you know what I noticed is the tweet stream out of NDC is, yep. is fast. Phenomenal. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah, there's a lot of tweeters here. But that's perfect. It's, it's always great for the speakers because you can get immediate feedback. And you yeah. know, if somebody says, you know, I didn't like the session for X, then you can ask, you know what? Which which part didn't you like? Fantastic, et cetera, et cetera. fantastic communication. Ingo, yep. when I first talked to you, you were doing remoting, and then you got into WCF and and uh, Indigo, as it was called back then. Right. Um, you're on a totally different, uh, in a totally different place nowadays, aren't you? Well, it's that's that's interesting because the the remoting side was only the the one side which was publicly visible because. In, in general, we've worked in, in architecture in the broad sense, yeah. right? So we architected and we helped clients architect different kinds of, of systems. Mm -hmm. Also, we are, we are also business in the, or, or line of business independent. So we, we work with all kinds of business, all types. Right. But of course, this has changed in the last time because at the beginning, it was more of a tactical consulting to go in for mm -hmm. two or three days at the client, fix a particular problem on the WCF side, for example, yeah. on the design for WCF. Right. But it's changed a lot. So we are working now with a number of strategic customers or strategic clients, which we've worked for five years now. And we are following, we are, we are more about understanding their business and following the, their businesses along mm -hmm. and help them to, to realize uh, or to, to work with the new developments. And that's how this, this has changed. That's true. Yeah. So do you think more in terms of here's the long-term strategy and you know here's how we're going to move this software in year one and then in year two? Is it that big of a plan or right. are you revisiting with new technologies? Like, how yeah. do you think that broadly? No, for, for some of them, we actually have a, a like the... Uh, fixed uh, workshops for which are which are planned long term in advance mm -hmm. on a monthly basis and say look visit us every month and then we we talk about what we need what we're currently facing and and you when you talk you bring in what what's new in the technology world and then we find out how we can use this to to help our clients to sell more products at the end of the day okay let's get right to it is silverlight dead Ah, uh, you know, it smells funny, but it might not be dead yet yeah. it's not quite dead i'm not dead yet <laughs> so now the thing is I don't think that SAML-based markup is there, right? So that's that's a thing. Uh, so in, other, in other words, uh, limited visibility. Yeah, you know, it's, so it's Windows Forms there, right? We have clients today who develop new Windows Forms applications today. Of course, we wouldn't recommend this, right? I right. Mean, never. Well, in, in, in that sense, Microsoft is maintaining Windows Forms. Right. They're certainly not adding features to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think Silverlight's there. The, the more interesting thing, as you said, is XAML. Right. XAML has not finished evolving, and, is, and it looks like there's work going on in it. Well, yeah. XAML's a Microsoft-only client kind of thing. And nowadays, everybody knows that the clients of the day uh, are not necessarily Microsoft clients. Right. So that's, that's one of the things we have noticed also in the past is that while Microsoft might still own 95% of the desktop market, right. 
a lot of innovation has happened in the in the last three or four years has happened in, not in this space, right? So they own this space, no problem. But innovation has happened somewhere else, of course. And now Microsoft is catching up. And uh, as the Windows 8 announcements uh, have shown, they really they realize this. They're, so they they know this. It's not that somebody else needs to come in and tell them that they are on the wrong side. Right. So they have changed, but of course it takes a while, and you need some kind of solution for the for the intermediate time. That, and and HTML5 is is getting there pretty nicely actually. And you have done some work with HTML5, and and have found some ways to do things that maybe not a lot of people know about. Right. So that's that's the interesting thing. We are we are seeing this quite often is that people view HTML5 as a web only technology, right? Well, of course, because it's HTML. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. Well, what, you need what a browser. Else? Right. What, well, what now that Windows 8 has, uh, you know, the videos about Windows 8 have yep. been highlighting JavaScript and, and HTML5. Everybody's like, well, okay. Exactly. It's a, and the thing is, and we, are, we have been using this for quite a while, actually, uh, and it's quite common on the mobile space to view HTML5 plus JavaScript plus CSS, of course, the whole, the, the, this, uh, these three tech things, as a means to create local applications. Well, and they have these applications, they will use HX calls to call a web service, just mm-hmm. like uh, a Silverlight application would do. But they would be installed locally out of browser, just like a Silverlight application or a WPF application would be on, on the phone side. There are projects like PhoneGap. Yes. PhoneGap.com, which is an open source approach to providing a, a native wrapper around an HTML5, basically around a web browser control mm-hmm. for all different uh, phone platforms. I can, I think you can run it on seven platforms these days. You can't run it on Windows Phone 7 because Phone 7 doesn't yet have the uh, the HTML5 browser. We'll get it in Mango. And also you can't call out over the network with PhoneGap. It's for local apps. You can call out. You can communicate with, the, with outside applications. Okay, and now this is new because last we knew about PhoneGap, and we were talking about this at DevTeach. Right. Last we knew that PhoneGap didn't allow you to make calls across the internet. No problem. We, we are doing this. No problem. Okay. It's, With uh, PhoneGap. Yeah, because, you, you know, you're running JavaScript inside of a, a, a native web browser control. This JavaScript does an HX call uh, right. to the outside world. So how do you overcome the issues of the sandbox? Uh, well, you don't because it's, it's not a cross-domain call because you, you're not originating anywhere at the end of the day. Right, because the page itself it's, did not come from a web server. Yeah. It's already installed on yeah. the phone. It's not in the sandbox. Yes. The fact that yeah. it's calling out to the internet doesn't to some matter. other is doesn't, a separate thing. Doesn't matter. Exactly. Right. That's interesting. Well, yeah. we should really need to leave a comment on the on the show uh, that we did at DevTeach because we may have misled some people about that. So now the thing is, I have to admit, I don't know what the current state of PhoneGap is. Right. Because basically what, our, what most of our clients do is they, they take the idea of PhoneGap but they write their own wrappers mm-hmm. because they want to use more native functionality than what PhoneGap would offer. So you get a hybrid kind of application. Right. I mean, you yeah. always get in this issue of if it's going to work for every platform, right. then it's sort of the lowest common denominator yeah. and you can't really utilize any platform. Right, right, right. And, and what they do is they, they take the ideas of PhoneGap and, and, you know, put in more native features. Put in You, you can extend PhoneGap, but let's say if you want to go into the native iPhone type of navigation using the tab bar on the bottom, and, right. uh, and you want to have uh, different headers, etc. You want to go more into the, the native look and feel. What does the code look like that calls into those sort of native things? It's well, it's you know, it's it's just a JavaScript code. So basically, what you have to imagine is that you you have JavaScript running inside of your HTML application. Right. And this JavaScript communicates to the native part. 
Mm-hmm. And the native part can do whatever it wants, right? The native part can call web services. There's no sandbox because it's native code on, on all these platforms. Right. That's how it, that's, that's, uh, how this is works. a line that, Sin- that Steve Sinofsky used at Mix during that keynote. They talked about, mm. he said native HTML5. Right. And at the time I started looking at going, what the heck does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> but I guess what, in that distinction, then, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ingo, native means I didn't load it from a web browser, that it's natively installed on the machine. Well, you could, so, so Microsoft Local, is using native also to mean your, your hardware accelerated, of course. Right. Because that's their main feature. That's what sets them apart from all the other browsers. No, uh, I mean, Chrome's got hardware acceleration now, right, too. Right. But I mean, Microsoft definitely created that concept and yeah. has driven the other browsers to do it. Well, you, one could argue about this because Chrome had a web st- application store which downloaded applications locally mm-hmm. before Microsoft had. Right. So it's. But I was it, talking about hardware acceleration. Right, right. But, but so you have all these the whole concepts. So native is is a mix of we're using local clients, uh, uh, client, uh, uh, whatever hardware OS mm-hmm. features of your local client. You com- combine them, use HTML basically as a markup. That's what I when I refer to a native HTML application, it means that you know what. It's not a web application. It is HTML5. Yes, it will be installed. Yes, right. so it's it's somehow a mix, and there will be native code in there. So but it's you really can... like a more like a local app, right? It's like yeah. a local app. So, you... what do you mean by native code at night? Okay, context? so you're writing this wrapper around your HTML5 thing, mm-hmm. and this, and you write a JavaScript API which communicates over this wrapper to right. some native. Uh, parts of your code. To the native host of that right. HTML. So whenever you have something which is more easily solved in native code mm-hmm. than HTML, you can put it in native code. For example, if you have an iPhone app and you want to react on notifications, you don't, you can't do this, you won't do this in, uh, in JavaScript. You have to write, uh, Objective-C code for this. Right. But then you, you expose it uh, to your JavaScript side, you expose an API which says, okay, call into my native code part and, and do this. Right. So you're basically defining extensions to yes. JavaScript to have access to those things. Right. You define your own JavaScript objects and then you communicate mm-hmm. uh, in one way or another to the native part. So th- these applications, these HTML5, JavaScript, CSS apps, going forward in Windows 8 and on the iPad and the iPhone and the Android and the Windows right. Phone and all that stuff, it, is this really where you see the majority of innovation happening in the... So, in the near future? Well, today we see the most of the innovation happening in, in the mobile space, being tablets or, or phones, of course. Yeah, that's and where the hardware is being innovated. Right, yeah. Right. Also, the way of how we interact with applications have changed a lot. I mean, if you imagine how you interact with a mobile application before the iPhone and after the iPhone, that's changed. Nobody what, is taking the status. What, uh, what kinds of limitations are we talking about that .NET developers will be used to, people who develop for WPF or, or Silverlight, or even Windows Forums, for that matter? Right. So, well, you, you don't have... Currently, you don't have direct native access to any native API on the OS. Right. Today, you have to create wrappers for all the uh, the native APIs you want to expose. You have to yeah. wrap them. No matter if they are on iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, Windows, whatever, you have to wrap them. So that, that seems to be okay because the yeah. architecture seems to be, you know, your your real data is in the cloud. Right. And you're, you're, you're looking at pretty pictures and navigating right. and getting your data from somewhere else. Maybe you have a local data store. Absolutely. Local data is one, is a big thing. That's the, one of the biggest things of HTML5 at the end of the day. It's, it's that you bring in local parts and you have local store. It's a local application. But it's, I mean, in the same con, once you're running in a custom host like that, right. you could be doing local store from your right. native you code as well. It's just, or, you probably don't have to. Right. You don't have to. Yeah. If, if the JavaScript, uh, uh, local storage would be enough for you, the web storage API, then I would use this one because mm-hmm. you don't have to expose a native API if there is one which suits your use case anyway. Okay. So follow me on this. 
So the majority of our industry has been pushed through by business applications. Right. This is what clients pay for. Yes. Is the the ability for you to do some kind of, you know, business work. So what percentage of those applications can be sort of scaled down to data in the cloud, pretty pictures on the client, thin, you know, thin client in terms of not being having access to office or or any of that stuff? What what do you think the percentage is that uh, of these business apps that can be written with HTML5 is? Oh, close to 100%. Close to 100%. But is that actually serving, the, the making a better app? I mean, there's apps that run very, very well on desktops. Right, right. So the, the question is, um, do you want the same app or do you want to have a code reuse between your desktop app and your iPad? That's the... Well, I'm question. just talking about those business applications that use local resources, what I'm, I guess I'm saying. And, you know, office integration or integration with other applications, is that all that yeah. big a deal? You know... You know, this depends on, on what kind of office integration do you do. Like, you know what? I run my company on a cloud-based system. And when I write an invoice, I generate, I have my template in the cloud and it generates a, a docx file, mm-hmm. which I can download and extend. That's, that's enough for, for, for a lot of companies to have this kind of integration. Yeah. You get the file, you can download it, you can change it, you can re-upload it, et cetera. But this still the working style. You know, when I think of phones and, and tablets, yep. they are not good input devices. No, no They're no. good output yeah. devices. Yes. So, you know, doing invoicing on your phone right. would suck. Yeah, you would. It's, a, you it's would. not a good app. You're exactly. better off with a keyboard on, in yes, a desktop absolutely, context. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. I mean, all those business apps where you have these data entry screens and, you know, all that yep. stuff. I mean... But you don't need you don't need WPF or Silverlight just for to have text boxes over data in the first place. Right. right. That's why we have so WinForms. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So the thing is, you know, we see that, that there's quite a, a drive also from the business side. The business want to use new devices uh, for mostly for reporting, for viewing data, for mm-hmm. read-only, for read-only integrating data. But you know what? It's not just read-only. I get in something in, in my application inbox. I want to drag and drop it to make a, a to-do list entry, a task entry for some other person. So I might want to take this element and drop it onto this other person using mm-hmm. my touch interface on an iPad. So I'm actually interacting with the data, not just in a read-only way, but in a read-write way. Problem is, uh, the same the same application should also run on on, on an Android tablet, like right. the Zoom or the or the, the Samsung, yeah. and in the future on a Windows 8 tablet. Mm-hmm. So if I use Silverlight today, well, today I can't even go in any of those. Right. So I could only run it on the Windows tablet. So if I do this using HTML5, I can run it on the iPad today, on the Android a day afterwards, and on Windows 8 whenever it comes along. And they're not going to be identical. I mean, there's they are. They might be. They might not be. They might have. So I might have to change my my wrapper to expose different sets of hardware. Yes, I'm, I'm already battling yeah. the variations in HTML5 between the browsers, right. much less anything oh, else. But you don't have these because you you control the browser, right? Because it's on the uh, generally on phones, the world is a lot easier than it is on desktops because you have WebKit. WebKit is the browser for all phones. Apart I, from I tell you, I'm not sold on the close to 100 percent number. Yeah, I'm really not. I mean, I I've seen business applications that. Do incredibly complex things with a lot of data right. that require a That's lot fine. of detailed input yep. that you're not going to be sitting in, you know, with a touch interface and No, and no, do no, it. no, no, you're not. But it, the thing is, you know, even if you're not using a touch interface, why wouldn't you write an HTML file? 
Because you could still build forms and so forth. This is what you're saying, really, is that the HTML5 has become the common denominator. Oh, you have you have one one skill set. It's a skill set thing, right? You can you know you have a company with 100 developers. Which skill set do you train them in? Mm-hmm. Do you do you do you split them and say okay, 20% do mobile apps, 80% do do Windows? I suppose forms? it comes down to the productivity of the tools that you're using. Well, I mean, oh yes, that, that's yeah. You know, with something like Light Switch, uh, you know the the kind of applications that you can churn mm-hmm. out that are really robust right. applications. You know, do we have that kind of, are we looking at that kind of tooling in the future? Well, we will. We don't have it today, right? But there's nothing preventing any company from creating a light switch uh, tool which does HTML5. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You got to wonder if those light switch guys aren't working on that already. I mean, exactly. I, I think I would be. They're, they're smart people. They're yeah. not going to tell me, but, you know, I think right. it, that's got to be coming. And are right, we really right. talking about write once and run on every phone and everything? Because, I mean, you know, a, a you got to have a pretty big screen to do some right. oh, yeah. of these data entry things. You're not going to be using the same UI on an no, iPhone. No, not at all. But you, so the, 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 oh, so so the thing is, uh, I don't think we'll see a hundred percent code base reuse between desktop and phone application. No. What I want to see is I want to see a ninety-five percent code reuse between Android, iPhone, and Windows Phone Seven. That's what I want. To yeah, see. but we're not there yet. I mean, we, I we're talking to folks that are trying to build across all those platforms. Right. It's a battle. Oh, yeah, and, and you know, you're still talking about a pretty mixed skill set. Mm. Somebody's got to build the co- the containers yeah. for your HTML5 apps and build those interfaces, and they're probably going to be different from one app to the other. Yeah, but you have you have three different commercially available products today which do this, and they're and, the, and admittedly they're immature at this point. Like right. they're only going to get better. And right. All so different. The, but the thing is, you know what? Can you live with the fact that you can reuse maybe only only. 85%, not well, 95%. Or is obviously, it, they are because their people are better. developing apps for all of these platforms and doing it the hard way. Right, right. So it's still, it's still easier if you need to target three different phones. It's still easier if you can reuse 90% or 85% of your code in HTML, write a small wrap around them, uh, compared to rewriting the same thing in three different languages. You right. can't even share a bit between those. Three. Right. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our friends at Telerik. So you know all about the power of ASP.NET MVC, but you might be in need of some good tools to enhance your productivity. Well, our friends at Telerik just shipped the latest release of the Telerik extensions for ASP.NET MVC, 18 jQuery-based native MVC extensions. Now you can enhance productivity by remaining in control of your views without having to write all HTML, CSS, and JavaScript by hand. Did I mention that the Telerik MVC extensions are also free and open source? Plus, now you can check all MVC online demos in both ASPX and Razor views, since the extensions offer full support for ASP.NET MVC 3 and the Razor view engine. Download your free copy today at Telerik.com slash free MVC. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. So... Earlier, you were talking to us about some ways that you have discovered to develop these native HTML5 apps right now. So, uh, of course, as I, as I said, most of our clients they write their own wrappers, and this might include writing a wrapper for a Windows-based platform. Now, on all these platforms, there are ready-made wrappers, and the interesting thing is, during this research of these wrappers, what we came across is that... Uh, Actually, there is today on, on the Windows systems, there is a runtime available which allows you to package and install HTML5 applications locally. It's not very common in the Microsoft space, of course, because it's, it's, usually it's, it's viewed as a competitor to Civilite, but if you look at what Adobe Air offers today. What is it? it? Adobe Air? Adobe Air. Oh, Adobe Air, I'm Air. sorry. 
So the thing I can't is here today. Air. Most people when they hear about air, they think flash. Yeah. Things, right. I'm not writing flash. I did flash in version one, and I decided that I'm not going to go there anymore. Okay. Okay. That's, but that's okay. Uh, but flash uh, air offers something which is called the Air SDK, which is a, a JavaScript-based uh, SDK, and it's actually an HTML5 runtime, which hmm. allows you to package an HTML5 application, not a single bit of Flash, uh, and, and ship it to systems. And now you don't have the problem about mixing browsers anymore because a certain version of Air gives you a certain version of a browser. You know exactly which APIs your browser has, how it works. Now, which, what versions of Windows and or other operating systems does will that deploy to? Today, I'd need to check. I don't know exactly what, but I think it will be XP plus, just like, like silver. Yeah. And, and can we also do this on a, on a Mac and, yeah. And, and on the phone. Cause it, and on the phone, phone. This is actually right. spitting out HTML5, right? It is well, browser based web based. Installable, just yeah. like an executable or Windows so, format. So what you do is you write a, you write your applications as a set of HTML and CSS and JavaScript files. Mm -hmm. You test it in your browser in, in maybe the best option today is to test it in a WebKit-based browser, right? because because AR runs a version of WebKit. And then you take this AR SDK, uh, run a build tool, which will package all these HTMLs and JavaScripts and CSS into one deployable package. Right. You install it, you click it, and it's it's like a native application. Now it's a native application, even though it was technically built in HTML5. So this right. is, is basically a, a set of tools from a quote-unquote yep. credible vendor, yes, as exactly. much as an Adobe can annoy me. Right. Uh, but building cross-platform right. tools. Yeah. Would I do it this way? Well, you know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I do it differently. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, maybe I'd write a small Windows uh, Presentation Foundation application which hosts a web browser control, and I I deploy it using the same approach. I take my HTML, CSS, and JS files, put them as local resources into my Windows Forms application, mm -hmm. and run it. Why would I do this? Because yeah. Why? Exactly. I I I saw it from on your face. Why would you do this? And the reason why I would do this is because I believe that in, in the future, more and more applications will be built in HTML5. It's just that today, Windows is not there. So you, we don't have these nice features they show off with Windows 8, where you run your applications as HTML5 applications. But, but Microsoft was very clear about this, that uh, I think the, the quote was something like, you know, Windows 8 applications will be HTML5 applications which can interact with the local system. Right. And this means that there, you know, you will take your HTML5, CSS, JS, and will install them locally in some way or another. And uh, doing this approach of, of creating a, a wrapper around this allows you to, to do this today. Because we see this from a lot of clients. Uh, they ask us, look, given that, you know, all these things are moving toward HTML5, but Windows is not there yet. What can we do today? Yeah. Because we believe that HTML5 will be the future. Mm -hmm. And, well, if you do believe this, then it would make sense to invest just a small amount of time to build a wrapper, uh, which allows you to deploy your app natively today while still writing it in HTML5. But by that same token, if you're dealing with an organization, it's like, I don't want to write, I don't want us writing our own frameworks. They could go the Adobe Air right, route. Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's what's interesting is there's both approaches here yeah. are available to you. Yes, and yes. what's really interesting is that if you're building uh, with separation of concerns and you have your services in the cloud or on a server somewhere and uh, done upright, yep. you can write your Silverlight front end oh, any, to do yeah, the absolutely. more, uh, you know, the more systems level kind of stuff. At a, on a Windows application. Absolutely. And still, you know, against the same services that your HTML5 apps right. are running in. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the interesting part about this is which just clients. So, you know, if you're not happy with 
the WebKit client yeah. that you get for the iPhone, you can spend the money to build a native client. And, and you know, just imagine, I mean, and we are seeing this today. Let's say you, you create a business application. And inside of your business application, you have flexible workflow. Mm-hmm. And you want to have a graphical designer for, for your flexible workflow. Mm-hmm. Now, the whole uh, uh, text boxes over data thing is something which is easily done in HTML5. No right. problem at all. So there's, you don't even need so, it's so called you a just, form tag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there are lots of frameworks like there's knockout, or you can yeah. do dojo, whatever. This there's, is a known problem. Exactly. So, but what's not, not known and what's not fully done yet is to do a, a graphical interaction where you could actually create a workflow designer, a graphical workflow designer having a toolbox like, like, you know, Windows workflow designer. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and put this into the, an HTML application. And you know what? Today I'd say, you know what? Go ahead, do this in Silverlight, do this part of your application in Silverlight, mm-hmm. because it, it might not make sense to do it a canvas base today, because canvas is changing. Well, canvas is, is has become pretty good now. Right. Uh, but it, but it, I, I get your point. Yeah. That sort of drag and drop graphical drawing approach right. is right at the edge of what HTML5 yeah. can do. It's today, not known it's science. Like, exactly. There's no tooling for right. this. But it's, it's very known in, in the Silverlight space. Yes, so maybe exactly. that's a piece you would better build in Silverlight today, knowing right. maybe a year from now you'd replace yeah. it with a known set of techniques exactly. around Canvas. Because you figure that, you know what, at the end of the day, you won't use your iPad to 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 draw your business workflow. That's even if you view your data maybe on the iPad. You and won't. I, I don't know that you know. You're touching on an area that I wanted to get back to when we yep. re- we sort of bombed past this, which is, you know, to Carl's point about business apps. It's not just about data entry. Right. We're really at the cusp of what's the next generation business app. Yeah. So uh, I was working with a group of guys that are in. Uh, building engineering and what they really wanted was an ipad between them and the customer going over the blueprints and being able to put voice annotations and maybe little drawings and so forth right on the blueprint as they went there you go we see this a lot we see the business applications change a lot just a different style the the other one that got me excited was similar company doing structural inspections and the way they want to do it is with the iPad using the camera, right. shooting the piece they're unhappy with, and either writing up, drawing up, or speaking, here are my right. concerns. But that sounds like a native iPad app to me. Well, you know, the thing is, you could view it this way. But if you talk about this, this sounds like an HTML5 application running on an iPad for me, because I know that a year from now or two years from now, the same client is going to ask for an Android version, because right. they need to interface with a certain piece of hardware. And, and, you know, on Android, we now have uh, hardware. Android now has this hardware program where you can easily build custom hardware. Mm-hmm. We have clients out there in, in industry who say, well, you know, uh, actually, we, we need to support additional devices. And right. at, at some point in time, you know, they, this client, they are big enough. They are on the made for iPhone program. Mm-hmm. So they can create their own hardware. But there are lots of small companies, specialized companies, uh, and they might want to interface with hardware. And Android is so much easier. Mm-hmm. And so, so, uh, if you talk about this application, about the annotation um, of, of blueprints right. and things like this, there's nothing which prevents you from doing this on an HTML5. Uh, so using the camera, using the video, it's all doable in HTML5. Well, and or using the native wrapper. So if you use PhoneGap, it's a one-line call to get an image from a camera. PhoneGap does the native wrapping for you. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole point of this concept of native yeah. wrappers is you need to utilize that hardware. Yes. And in theory, if you've done this correctly, moving to the other platform... It means rewriting the wrapper, not the app. Yes. So does Microsoft need to take a phone gap approach to to development in HTML5? Well, so so phone gap. The idea of phone gap is that you have uh, the same JavaScript API for a number of different platforms. Microsoft doesn't want, w- quite likely, won't want this. It's it, it, they will expose a larger set of native APIs, 
and uh, because they want you to use the native OS, of course, because you're buying it, you, you're spending 150 bucks on a you on an OS or your customer is, mm -hmm. so you better use it because you paid for it, <laughs> and so they would expose a lot of APIs into JavaScript, right? Which uh, PhoneGap doesn't do. PhoneGap exposes. Uh, these 10 or well, and that's how they provide you know the Windows value yeah, is the ability the to get deeply into the, the resources in Windows exactly. And and you have so many things in Windows, so they will definitely want to expose mm -hmm. all the things they invested money in, yeah. And and so you see a different kind of, of API there. So, so do, do we see then on the other side maybe the hardware manufacturers exposing their local APIs to just standard HTML? Five JavaScript so that we don't need a phone gap. Yeah, actually, you see this a lot. If you just look at, at uh, what Apple does from OS to OS, how much they, how much more they support in uh, for, for in terms of of let's say for example, they lose control when they do that, don't they? Yeah, you know, because you know that the Apple really wants is everybody to go through the App Store and to get a lot more control over what people right. use on their phones. Yeah, well, you know, the, so. What Apple wants is they want to get their thirty percent share. Right, that's what they want. Yeah. The rest is just uh, derived from from this thirty percent share. Mm -hmm. And you know, if I, if you create a phone app application, it's not you. You have to install it using the uh, using the App Store. It's a right. native application in from from Apple's point of view. Okay, so so in that in that case, then maybe on the iPhone, iPad. Android, you're going to see a phasing out of the native application development in favor of app development. That's HTML5, JavaScript, CSS, yep. but still installs as a native app. Yep. Just, yeah. So the, the interesting thing, and we're doing this actually for a number of clients, is, uh, is clients want to go through the App Store because the App Store is a very nice thing for application discovery. You, you need a a uh, finance application, you go to the app store, look for uh, in the finance category mm -hmm. and find things l in your local market, which are the best rated finance apps for your local market. So people want to go into the app store. At the same time, actually, they might also want to just be available on the web as well. That's a ne another nice advantage. You can use the same HTML5 application and run it just in the phone's browser. Mm -hmm. You don't need uh, interaction with the local hardware or just limited interaction. And yep, but you know, the App Store, people actually like the App Store. Companies like the App Store for hmm. discoverability and for the ability to push updates out. And, you know, I'm, it's, it's, it's advertising surface. You're giving me advertising surface for right. free on your phone. You're seeing this every day. Why right. wouldn't I want to? Yeah. Uh, of course I do. Well, and, and interesting, you know, you bring up a great point with the updates that you're basically offloading the need for the update infrastructure. You, as the developer, only need to push a copy to the App Store. Yeah. They do the rest. Yeah. yeah. They, you know, we shouldn't begrudge them that 30%. They no, really do take fine. on a fair that's bit fine. for us that and we it, don't have to own. But interestingly enough, what we see also is clients actually, they, they, they take this route, but at the same time, they build their own update functionality into these native wrappers because they say, well, this also allows us to update our app right now, even if it's on iPhone. Right, because there's that lag between the push and it actually showing up in the App Store because it goes through its sort of curation process. Yeah, it stays of lag. So tell me what the best tool is for developing HTML5. Today? Yeah. It's Studio 2010 and debugging in IE9. Really? It is. Is it good? It is. Or is it just the least awful? No. It is. Well, it is the least awful, right? So <laughs> it's always, is it perfect? So, well, it's not perfect, right? It's, well, it's just so early days. I mean, 2010 shipped last year, yeah. where, you know, before IE9 oh, did. It's, oh, it's hardly perfect, of course. I okay. Mean, but if you compare it with all the other IDs I've looked at, mm-hmm. It is the best. It's still the best. Yes, so, which is interesting because I looked at, at 
all different kinds of IDEs, uh, the open source app tainer, they are all nice. But you know what Visual Studio does? If you configure correctly and if you build your JavaScript correctly, mm -hmm. does full intelligence on JavaScript. And is that uh, that valuable? Oh, it is for me. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm wondering, does it understand the HTML5 tags? It doesn't right now. But the problem is, so HTML5 is, is you know, the, the tags are not the problem. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the, it's the, the JavaScript. Script is the, the script mm -hmm. is the problem. Doing CSS styling is the problem. But, you know. I have yet to see a CSS right. client that didn't suck. Yeah, what about a visual HTML5 developer? Yeah. environment. You know, the interesting thing is that what we see, it's a very good question. I was just wondering about why we never come across this as a problem is uh, a lot of companies who create these kind of applications, they come from a web background. Mm -hmm. and if you're coming from an HTML background, if you've done web apps for 15 years, yeah. you have a certain workflow which involves external design agencies anyway because right. you know, there's no developer on the web who creates right. their own UI. Right? right. But there are lots on the Windows space. So using a uh, with sample based markup, we, we got pushed into this direction of having somebody else actually design yeah. the thing. Mm -hmm. And on the web, it's it's quite common. So if you are a if you are an HTML5 developer, it's quite likely that you work with HTML5 tags and CSS, which have been provided by an external agency. Right. And you just write the JavaScript. Right. And so mostly it's about managing the JavaScript in yeah. and around the markup. Yeah. And a lot of the markup for HTML5 is the same as HTML4 anyway. It's the same. Yeah. It's it's the same markup you've been using for ages, and then you, you just have, have Canvas. Right. And all stuff. But Canvas, of course, is a small tag and a huge JavaScript API. Right? Yeah. Ma uh, and massive implications for how you yes. build pages. Yeah. But it's not the tag. The tag is not the problem. Yeah. That's the, so. So. And do we have binding and things like that as well? That's the power of JavaScript. But you, yeah. there's a there JavaScript gives you the ability to create binding. There is no standard way today to do binding, but there are scripts like Knockout.js, which is a uh, model view, yep. view model style binding story. We talked about uh, this story. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, it also has its flaws, of course, like and it always, it's just emerging. But it's also easy to, to use some other approach of binding because, you know, JavaScript gives you the, uh, has the power to do this, to support these kind of things. If this is mostly about how do you write better JavaScript. Right. At Franklin's Net right now, you can get a DVD with over 11 hours of Billy Hollis on Silverlight 4 or 14 hours of Sahil Malik on SharePoint 2010, each for only $6.95. Order online at www.franklins.net. Are you looking to change jobs? Infusion Development has offices in New York City, Toronto, London, Dubai, and Poland. Infusion has hired a whole handful of happy .NET Rocks listeners. Contact me for an introduction at carl at franklins.net. Where does, you mentioned Naka, but what about yeah. jQuery? I mean, right, what, of course. what about these other libraries? How essential are they now? So jQuery doesn't do, doesn't do data binding yet. Right. It, it, um, it has a beta version of data. They call it data linking, mm -hmm. uh, which is similar to what we call binding. It's not as powerful as uh, WCF, uh, WPF binding is today, of course. Uh, because WPF, actually, in my point of view, answered the binding story. Uh, the, the, the way you can do binding with WPF is, is I think, the maximum you, you will ever want to do. It's good as it's ever going to get. It, exactly. You won't get better than this. And, uh, Silverlight 2. Yeah, it's the same. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they, 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 they answered the binding story. It took Microsoft 15 years yes. to figure the binding story out, but now they've, they've, now they've actually cracked it. I'm just thinking about the implications of what you're saying here and saying, you know, if we're going to live in JavaScript, suddenly we're living without the .NET framework. Like, there's an awful it's, lot of functionality that is now going to be missing. That, you know, how are we going to get all that capability back? So, so, and that's quite interesting because that's the most important thing 
uh, today mm -hmm. is uh, what kind of abstraction do you want to work on? Mm -hmm. when I would really love to use Link in JavaScript, for example. Right. That's the thing I'm missing. Whenever I do JavaScript, it's <laughs> the one you thing, the main it, right? thing I'm missing. That's the thing no, that but, hurts. But that's not really, the, that's not, not, not the main problem because you can get, a, get around this. JavaScript well, sure. is a functional language. I mean, we lived without it for so long, but damn, I want oh, that. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> But JavaScript is a functional language, so it's it's very easy to build things which look very very similar to to what what Link does. Uh, no, but the, the real problem is actually that you have when you do HTML5 development, you have to pick a level of abstraction you're comfortable with. You can create an HTML5 application based by based on writing HTML tags, mm -hmm. form tags, etc. You have to do your layout based on CSS media queries if you want to. That's what you'd quite likely do if you're coming from a web background. Mm -hmm. But then there is there's this totally different point of view which XJS from Centre, for example, does, where they say you don't you define a form, an input form, as a, as in code. You say I need a form. I this has a label. It has a text box label. Text box label. Daytime picker. It's required, etc. And then you say okay, now render it. And you don't write a single tag if you don't want to. Right. And this creates a, a, a layout table uh, uh, UI for it's you. Code generator. It's well, it's runtime. No, no, it's a runtime. It's just JavaScript creates the HTML DOM for you. Oh, okay. So you yeah. can even pick which way you want to start. Do I want to start on the abstract level to create my my form as a as a definition of what I need on my mm -hmm. form, and then have HTML generated from this? Or do I start the HTML way? Both are equally possible. Well, yeah, now you're talking about d data driven forms as well. Yep. That, uh, this yeah. is a whole other way to encapsulate and customize. Yep, yep. And with the, um, let, you know, let those things just be generated as needed. Right. You do, so you don't, if you don't want to write HTML, you don't have to write a single tag. If mm -hmm. you want. That's the interesting thing. Yeah, no, I see weird sessions coming up. Right? Oh, yeah. You're building HTML5 apps without writing any HTML. Right, right. <laughs> but the, the critical thing is if you pick XJS, for example, as your main development framework today, the question is, are they going to be around? In, in three years from now, in five years, in ten years from now. Right. Or if you pick Dojo or whatever other framework, there, there you have about 15 different kinds of frameworks and micro-frameworks which are very big, which, which mainly decide how you create your application. And you have to pick, you quite likely have to pick one of them. Right. So if you if you start from HTML tags today and if you pick jQuery as your framework, the chance is pretty high that jQuery is going to be around tomorrow. Right. Microsoft's putting a lot of uh, support into it. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. Right. But, you know, the, and the counter argument to that, which is you roll your own, are your guys going to be around tomorrow? Right. It's like, the same thing. So, and that's the critical thing. Is absolutely. You don't have this nice layer of abstraction where everything's well defined like it is in Silverlight mm -hmm. today, where you know that's how you define a form. Well, yeah, and it, you get that, hey, nobody ever got fired for buying Microsoft, right? right. The, the whole idea of I'm getting right. all of my tools from a place I know it won't go away. Yes, And exactly. now that we're transitioning into this model, we have to redo oh. all those debates again. And, oh, and it's a pain. You're following a lot of open source projects. They update quite often. You have to update your source base quite often, no matter who, which framework you, mm -hmm. you pick, actually. Uh, you, you get weekly updates on... On, on well, as long code. as they're healthy, it's far more terrifying when the updates stop and you're like, am I now depending on an open source project that nobody right. cares about anymore? Just imagine, you know what? Knockout chairs. I love the idea of knockout chairs. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Knockout has been written by one guy who is actually a program manager at Microsoft. You know what? At some point in time, Microsoft might say, yeah, we don't really want you to go this direction. Or they might say, you know what? Let's turn this into a product. Right. Uh, in one way, you're on the good side. Yeah. If they turn it into a product, you've chosen this approach, you're on the good side. But you really side. don't know. 
So the other option is they ship it over to Outer Curve, the 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 Codeplex Foundation yeah. guys, so that it's you know got a good uh, SLA right. or uh, EULA right. around it. It's well protected and so forth. I mean, I, I think that's the be- best outcome I, for I, open source right I now. I hope that one of that they will do one of those things. That they will mm-hmm. talk to this guy and say, "Look, you're doing this in your spare time. Hey, how about doing this in your in your paid for time? Yeah. And how do about doing this as your job? Yeah." Interesting, but I mean the other, the scarier part being, he gets a new job inside of Microsoft where he just doesn't have the cycles for it anymore. Yeah. And now what? Or he doesn't care about HTML5 or about yeah. this part of of the HTML5 problem anymore, and then you're stuck. Mm-hmm. And if you're stuck on your data binding story, I mean, come on, you've just written 900 forms of of text boxes over data based on one particular way of doing data binding. Right. Frightening. Oh yes. So uh, <laughs> I, I hate to ask you this, but so what do you what do you see as as the the future of the the tools and i'm really thinking about you know the stuff that's going to go into javascript that we have access to on all platforms do you think that jquery is like the natural sort of repository for things like link like and collection like and generics like and things like that do you, because it's already accepted it's a nice little vehicle do you see something else coming along that everybody can deal with uh i mean that's put puts Microsoft in kind of a difficult position, doesn't it? Because now it's like, well, should we share all of this great .NET-ish kind yep. of stuff with the world? Will that bring more people to .NET? Yeah. Will we sell more Windows devices? Will we sell more yeah. Windows because of that? What do you think the answer is? That's that's pretty interesting. Uh, I don't think that jQuery model is perfect. I think actually jQuery by chance or by being at the right place at the right time a few years ago and mm. being adopted by the right companies by chance quite likely mm-hmm. when it was still small ended up being in this dominant space today. If you look at uh, the component model and you have to have some kind of component model behind behind your application. You know, you can't write this one big JavaScript file and, right. and write all public uh, global methods and, and static methods and you're done. So you need some kind of component model. And jQuery offers one, which is very, very, very limited. A jQuery plugin is, is a method. It's one method. It's a, that's a plugin. And uh, there are different uh, component models which are more uh, like like what we know as a component in the .NET side, a Dojo model, for example. They offer components as in uh, things which you can place on the screen and which interact. But it's a component. It's not one one method. It's hmm. It's a component which has methods and events etc and and so we'll see something happening here i guess and microsoft needs to pick one approach they need to to figure out do we want to follow the jQuery style do we want to follow a dojo style or an xjs style well i'm also thinking about the politics of you know jquery's acceptance factor as high as it is are we better off rolling dojo into jquery to provide that rich object model rather than trying to convince people to install a dojo yeah that's uh, that's a very interesting question. The, the Dojo model is so different from the mm-hmm. jQuery model that I think yeah. there's no, there's no or hardly any overlap yeah. uh, in, in what you could do. But it's just a feature set extension then, essentially. What it, the problem about Dojo is, or the, the, the thing about Dojo is, the Dojo is, is, provides a solution to the componentization of a JavaScript application. Okay. Which jQuery doesn't. Right. J- jQuery is, a, is, is great for interacting with the DOM, uh, but it doesn't give you a component model. So it? can we imagine a, cross-browser, cross-platform, small .NET framework that's accessible from JavaScript that it isn't, uh, you know, that just runs everywhere? Can we imagine that? Oh, that's a good question. It's uh, the, the, Actually, I turn it around. So do we need it? Well, I'm not so sure we need the, 
the memory management and all that kind of stuff. That's but in, but yeah. certainly a lot of those tools like Link and like all the generics and the collections and things that we love programming. Right. Uh, certainly those could be very useful to everybody. Yeah, I mean, generics is, is a tricky feature because you don't need it in JavaScript. You don't have types. Uh, exactly, So you, because you don't have types. And uh, Link would be fantastic. There are first mm -hmm. steps in this direction to have uh, Link on JavaScript. But the thing is, what, it, what we see in JavaScript is that you have uh, the possibility to introduce smaller micro-frameworks. So you don't have, just to get Link support, you don't have to pick a big framework which does Link. You just... What you actually do in JavaScript is you pick one micro-framework which gives you link uh, features. Right, there'll be a J-link that whatever, you will incorporate. And, and J-link will quite likely expose itself as a jQuery plugin and as a Dojo plugin, mm -hmm. as a Dojo extension. At the same time, they, they provide different surfaces. Can you see that happening? We, we, you actually see that happening today on, for a number of micro-frameworks. Oh, so there is a micro JavaScript version of link? Well, no, but in general, the approach. But yes, there is one. There's even one, even for this there is. explicit case, there's one which is, of course, in massive development. and By it, Microsoft? I don't think so. Okay. But I, I don't remember. It's, but, but it's, it's er, but er, in early days. But it's the, the interesting thing is this ability to create lightweight extensions yes. for your JavaScript development. Right. So you, you look to the Mono guys to provide something like this? You know, the Mono guys, they have, they have a different set of problems of their own right now. Right. Uh, so I don't, I don't think. Well, and I, and I feel like the model guys are motivated by something different. They're yeah. trying to make C sharp work everywhere. Right. Which is not inherently evil. It you is know, not. It's it, a different way of thinking of, of solving the problem. Yeah, but you know, we, we talked about the, the one vendor strategy to have some uh, dependable, dependable vendor strategy. Mm -hmm. As much as I, li I like Miguel, it's, you know, our clients are not too happy about the fact that he's now not anymore part of, of, of one Novel. big trusted well, long-term vendor. They had a near-death experience. Let's we. Yeah. Kind of, I know we're going to have Miguel on the show sometime soon to talk about Miguel that. de Acasa. Yeah, but he had a near-death experience. The, the company got bought. His division got shut down. He, he had just he lit something new up. Yeah. I mean, good on him. Well, Amazing absolutely. guy. But from a customer perspective. Holy cow! You oh. you didn't sleep for a couple of weeks there. Oh, that's going to take that's going to take more than a few months or years to 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 reestablish the trust. And okay. we have clients who won't ever reestablish this trust. We have clients who have created monotouch applications and they are done. They are rewriting this today, right now, as I sit here in Objective C. They are not they are not waiting for anything. Right. They're they're done. Right? The risk factor is way too high. Yeah, that for that them. was a scary moment. Yeah, no question, and a long one. Yeah, and, and that's what they figure. It's like, you know, say, well, you know, we sell this software to our clients. It's right. something different if, if you create a software for, and, and you directly sell to the end customer. Then right. you can justify going this way or that way. But they sell, they create software for other companies yeah. and they give it to their customers. So it's, it's hard. You, you, they can't go this road. Well, uh, is there anything else that we missed that we should talk about before we call it a day? Well, you know, the, the thing is, I'm, I'm actually very interested in your next interview, the next session you're doing, uh, or the next one you're recording with Scott Goo. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, because I, I would be interested in his opinion on, on this whole thing. It's yeah. what is interesting or it's going to be interesting is build conference later this year mm -hmm. when Microsoft will, will announce their official vision forward, especially how, what they'll do with Silverlight in what form right. Silverlight will be around. And uh, what they'll do with HTML5 and how the APIs will be structured, and then we can derive what does this mean for for uh, multi-platform code creation on on HTML5. It's a four-day show. Something tells me we're going to go pretty deep down into how we're yep. building apps for Windows 8. Yep. 
and you know it's it's now owned by by Windif, so I'm really looking forward to a to a Windif conference. I'm especially in terms of what percentage of announcements at this conference will be turned into reality. Mm-hmm. I've had some yeah. not so nice uh, experiences with DevDev-owned confer- uh, conferences in the past. Everybody, Anybody remembers the WinFS in Longhorn, for example? Uh, oh, <laughs> WinFS file system. But that was the Windows team. No, it wasn't. It was actually the Windows team. I mean, it was, it was, it was the Windows. It was Jim Alchin who pulled WinFS. Yeah. He yeah. worked for Windows. Right, right. right? But, I mean, but, but the rest, WPF and, and all the other... F- uh, they, they weren't so the whole the conference was mainly DPE owned. Yeah, at, at that point in time, that was because it was a PDC. Owned. It was yes. DPE owned, but I don't. You know, in the end, it's still the product teams that decide what happens to their product. Right, that's right. right. WinFS was the Windows thing. Yeah, they, they they couldn't figure out how to make it work over networks. Yeah, essentially. And yeah, there were there were so many things they tried it. It wasn't the first they time they WCF. tried it. And yeah. So and and I hope that we see we see more uh, announcements which will be turned into concrete code and concrete deliverables from Microsoft in a shorter time. Mm-hmm. Then because you know if it's like a PDC where they tell you it's oh, in five years from now, three years from now you'll get feature X, then people won't won't want to wait for for that for for such a long time. Especially now that Microsoft caused quite a bit of confusion in this Silverlight uh, environment. By, by announcements or by non-announcements. Right. Microsoft never said that Civil right. is dead. They just didn't mention that Civil is fantastic. And so a lot of people are now all confused. Right. Well, Inga Rammer, thank you very much for spending oh, this near you, hour with us. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Keep in touch. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. <laughs>